Yeah, Larry says he doesn't understand or like poetry, but he does. That's your favorite poet, <laughs> Keith Green. That's good. Dude loves Keith Green. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you all very much. Welcome. Good morning. I greet you in the name of my Savior. And if you're a student, you're dismissed. Um, Morgan, thank you, young lady. <laughs> um, welcome here. I'm so happy that you got to come and be with us. Um, I'll save all those announcements till the end, okay. then, I guess. Um, how are you? You good? Yeah, I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, wanted to talk today about Christmas. You know, in fact, Shirley and I are going to try to talk about Christmas um, each of the Sundays this month. And I was just reading and rereading and rereading. Morning, Georgie. Uh, just the Christmas story or the Christmas stories. And uh, there's more than two, actually, in the Bible, if you want to know. Uh, but we'll talk about that another time. Uh, the two big ones in Matthew and Luke. And um, I just was thinking about the, the major players in the story. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. And I, was, I just asked myself the question, how are those individuals different and how are those individuals similar? And one of the things that I started thinking about was just how incredibly unique and different, uh, really, even though the wise men and the shepherds are a group, I'm going to focus, I'm going to talk about them as if they're one unit. Uh, Mary's life could not have been more different and unique than Joseph's life. Joseph was probably middle-aged. Mary was most definitely 14, 15 years old. Um, Joseph was from Judea. Mary was from, or well, she was living in Galilee. Um, the wise men from what we would now call Persia obviously had a very different life. And then the shepherds, they had a very, very different life. They were of a, whatever group you might describe as being on the edge of society, very motley, very uh, the opposite of any kind of culture or being civilized. They were a very rough, uh, rough group of people, just so that you know, in, in Judean uh, society. Uh, their ages were different, their cultures, their status in their, in their cultures, their educational backgrounds, their wealth. They could not have been more different from one another. But there were a few things that united them, that created similarity between them, and, and one of those things that uh, uh, bound them together, if you will. If you'll study their lives, one of the things that you see that happened in all four of their lives was that there was a moment where God spoke to them. Now, you, whether it was in writing or whether it was via an angel or whether it was in person, uh, I'm not going to get into that with you today, but clearly in the life of Mary, the life of Joseph, the life of the shepherds, and the life of the wise men, God spoke to them, or God revealed himself to each of those people or groups. But that's not enough. Not only did God speak to them, they knew it was God. There is no indication that Mary was like, mm, maybe that's God, maybe it's not God, maybe it's last night's pizza, uh, you know, maybe it's something. No, no, no. Mary, God spoke to Mary and Mary knew it was God. God spoke to Joseph and Joseph knew it was God. 
the, God spoke through the angels. I understand that. But nonetheless, God spoke to those shepherds. They knew it was God. God spoke to those wise men. Now, he actually used the writings of Daniel from hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. But nonetheless, uh, God spoke to those wise men. And then through the writings of Daniel and through that star, they knew that it was God. They knew. There was no denying this. There was no confusion about this. And then what else makes all four of them unique? God spoke to them. They knew it was God. And they responded in faith and obedience. In all four scenarios, when God spoke, they knew it was God. And they responded in faith and obedience. We have very little information on any of those four people or groups. Uh, we don't know very much about their history, their circumstances, their intelligence, their education, their success, um, their spiritual maturity. Where were any of those four groups, including Mary, the blessed Mary? But where was she on the spiritual spectrum or ladder as far as her knowledge of God and God's word and God's voice? We have no indication in any of their scenarios where they were in their personal uh, journeys, uh, their relationships with God. We have very, very little information. But I say again, what is clear, in all four cases, God spoke to them. They knew it was God and they responded in faith and in obedience. Um, I find it very important. You see a glimpse of this with Mary, but not much. If the, other th the other three scenarios, you see nothing. Their obedience was not the result of their clarity that God gave them a bunch of light. The, he answered all their questions. He, he told them how this was going to end before he asked them to start. They didn't obey because they had clarity. You see, other than Mary, I'll give you this, but with the others, you don't know if they agreed or disagreed. You don't know how the wise men felt. You don't know how the shepherds felt. You don't know, that, is this a good idea or a bad idea? You don't see them having very much clarity, if any. You don't know if they were in agreement. You don't know if they had a peace. You know, that's how, you know, that's, that's church language. Would you like to participate in this? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I have a peace about this. You see nothing, nothing in these people's lives. Did they have a, did the wise men have a peace before they left Babylon to come to Judea? Did Mary have a peace did Joseph have a peace? I would suggest to you it quite it could be the opposite. But again, I'm, it's an argument from silence. I understand that. You just don't see them determining whether or not they should obey God until they had a peace to do so. In fact, it does say, you know, the angels constantly say, do not fear, do not fear. Thank you. Know, you. So probably, <laughs> can you imagine? You see an angel and... You'd, I, I don't think one would say, oh, I have a peace about this. Yeah. I think it would be just the opposite. Thank you. you know, fall down on the ground. You don't see them responding <laughs> in obedience because they had a peace. Because they had a lot of details about how this was going to work out. Or that they agreed with what God was doing. All you see is that because they knew it was God who was speaking to them, they obeyed. That was enough. They might have liked more. I'm not going to argue with you there. But they didn't get more and they still obeyed because they knew it was God speaking to them. Those four, Mary, Joseph, shepherds and wise men, I would like to remind you 
they're uh, a part of a huge biblical group. The Bible basically is filled with individuals that have the exact same uh, uh, situation or process or scenario as those four. Over and over and over again, you see people where God spoke to them, they knew it was God, and they obeyed, they responded in, in faith and obedience. They didn't have clarity. You don't know if they agreed, and they probably didn't have peace, but they did what they believed God was telling them because they knew it was God. Noah. Noah, you got peace? Noah, do you know how this is going to work out? Took him a hundred years to build that boat. He started he cutting down trees, knocking the bark off, slicing them into lumber. Basically, he didn't know anything but that. Same with uh, Abraham. I did a lot of research on circumcision and the fact that God asked Abraham to circumcise himself and all of his family. That was an incredibly significant and very, he had, the people in his culture did not do that. They did not do that. That was a new, unheard of thing that God was asking Abraham, especially as a, as a means of creating a covenant with God. That is not the way people created covenants with God. And yet, I don't understand this. I don't know why you would ask me to do this. This doesn't seem right, but I know it's you, God. The, and take it a, a step further. I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him on a, as a sacrifice. Well, I'm going to wait for a peace. I'm going to wait till I understand how that's going to fall out. I'm gonna, I need some clarity and details. No. No. He, Abraham knew it was God. And he obeyed. He knew it was God and he obeyed. Even though he, I can tell you right now, I do know the answer to that. He wasn't in agreement. There wasn't no vote. He just knew it was God and he did it. Uh, the same with Moses. The, the major characters in the Bible. God spoke. They knew it was God. And they obeyed because they knew it was God. When uh, On the building of the tabernacle, the priesthood, uh, going up on the mountain, uh, the route that they took. Everything about that. We, see, we don't see Moses having peace. We don't see Moses being in agreement. We sure don't see Moses knowing how that's going to all work out. But he obeyed because he knew God was speaking. I just wanted to challenge us today. This is not a complicated or deep or, you know, kind of a lesson. This is the most, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. Do we recognize what a gift it is? that God would even speak to us, that God would even speak to you or to me. I mean, God doesn't have to speak to anybody. God, God's not obligated to speak to us. God's not indebted to speak to us. God doesn't need to speak to us. God's not compelled to speak to us. God's not bored up in heaven. You know, one of my, Larry, what do you fear? You know, one of my greatest fears in life is the phone to ring and I answer it and somebody go, what you doing? What you doing? I'm working. What do you mean, what am I? Don't ask me what I'm doing. I'm working. I hate that question. What do you need? Be quick. Be brief. Get to the point. I'll, I'll jump in that with both feet uh, running, but don't ask me what I'm doing. I know. No, no, uh-uh. God's not in heaven going, oh, well, you know, I wonder what old Michael's doing. Let's, I'm going to call him and just, we're going to chat about what your day's looking like. No. God's not bored. God's not, a, you know, these other people, the other ones that I'm terrified of are people that are afraid of something. And, you know, and the more afraid they are, the more they talk, the faster they talk. And, they, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, God's not afraid, so he doesn't need to chatter. God's not bored looking for somebody to talk to. God, God doesn't have to talk to us. He talks to us 
with intentionality. And that's the thing that I want us to think about today. When God speaks, He has purpose. That's, that's, it's very important that we see that. Nowhere in the Bible, and those of you that are Bible scholars, you look and see, because you're not going to agree with me on the front end, but you, you look and see, and then you, you check back with me and let me know what you find out. I couldn't find one example in the Bible where God ever spoke to anybody to inform them, educate them, enlighten them, or make them happy. When did God do that? God doesn't speak to people to educate them, to inform them, to make them happy, or to enlighten them. I'd like a, I, God, I want, a, I want a word from you. I want a new, fresh word from you. And I'll pray that. Many of you have too. There's nothing wrong with that. But just, I need to know on the front end that what I'm asking for is for God to tell me something that he wants me to do, to respond to in faith and obedience. God speaks so that we will know him and experience him and the knowing and the experiencing result from us obeying, from us responding to what he's telling us in faith and obedience. Another thing about God speaking to us that I, I just thought about these things, they're just, they're just, to me, it's important for us to know this as we study our Bible and try to understand our journey with God. Very, very often, not always, but very, very often, when God speaks, he wants us to obey first and then we'll understand why. He doesn't tell us on the front end why. He's not a why. He, do, he doesn't answer the question why very often up front. Now, the Bible is filled with examples that God asked somebody to do something they did it, and then later on, oh, oh, uh, Noah, I want you to build a boat. There was no water on the face of the earth. Well, God, why would I build a boat? Silence. A hundred and one years later, oh, oh, now I see. Do, you see. do you see that? Can you imagine Mary? God, why would you let my son die on the cross? He, God told Mary that Jesus was going to fill her life with great pain. She didn't understand that, and God didn't give her an answer. He didn't answer the why until 33 years later. Oh, now I understand. God rarely asks ask us to do something and then tells us why ahead of time. It's good parenting. It is good you mean God is a good parent? No. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, like our grandson, um, his mother will tell him to do something, and he'll say... It's our grandson, just so y'all uh, know. It's our uh, grandson. Yeah. And he'll say, mm, can we talk about it? He wants to talk about it. First. First. I'd like to know why. I'd like a little, you know, a little explanation. How long is this going to take? You know, can we talk about it? Why, Mama? And so the, her <laughs> answer has become, see what, you do it, and then afterwards we'll talk about it. And you can answer, and I'll answer anything, anything. you want to tell me afterwards. Yeah, so just do it and see, and then afterwards, afterwards we'll talk about That's it. That's good parenting. Because oh. the fact of the matter is, nine times out of ten, he never comes back. <laughs> he didn't really care why. He, yeah, he just didn't want to do it. Uh, but that is good parenting, and that's what that's how God parents. Um, the Bible is filled with the verses that remind us that God asks us to obey, and then we'll understand. God asks us to obey and then we'll receive the benefit or the blessing or the, uh, the assurance. Uh, John 10, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice and they follow what I say and I give them eternal life. The eternal life comes after God speaks and they follow. John 13, if you know, Jesus again, if you know these things, these things that I'm telling you, happy are you if you do them. You go on and do them and see if it doesn't fill you with happiness. And then my favorite, John uh, 7, Jesus says, the one 
who does God's will will find out if my teaching is from God. You go on and do my will and you'll see if what I'm telling you is the truth or not. Two quick things. But I just want, does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, two quick things that I, I, that I think are important to consider when it comes to God speaking to us. Us knowing it is God and what we do next. Two dangers. We need to be, and, and I, I didn't read this in a book. I read it, I mean, it's just my struggles. When God speaks to me, and he does speak to me quite often, and I know it's God. I have the great tendency and, well, just the great tendency when I know it's God speaking. I want to delay. I want to wait. I'll get up and I've acted like a rear end towards Shirley the night before or the day before. And I blew it off. I blamed her, you know, the, the economy or the government or the weather or y'all or Mars, something. Jupiter. Something, yeah, yeah, some... Everybody's fault but mine. And I'll, you know, if you pretend and you wait and you act, if you just wait, it'll, it'll be okay. Especially in the better a person you married, the better that works. That, that's not that's good. That, good or that's, not. I didn't say it was good. I just said the higher quality you marry, the, if you just ignore it, it'll go away. That's, that's not good. Not but, good. It, but I married a quality person. Or a coward. No, 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 that, no, you're not a coward. That's not fair. Um, but I'll get up the next month. That's why you ought to read your Bible every morning. Because I'll get up in the morning and I'll start reading and God speaks. Larry, how'd you treat Cheryl A. yesterday? Well, better than some. I'm not the worst. You know, she aggravated that situation. But at the end of the day, I know it's God. And because I know it's God, I will want to delay. I want to do anything, but when her alarm goes off and I bring her that cup of coffee, I want to do anything but look her in the face and say, I acted like a rear end yesterday. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? If I can just push it off, delay it long enough, Maybe it'll go away. But that's not God's way. That's why when God said to Abraham, what made Abraham Abraham? You know, I mean, other than David, you got Abraham and you got David. Okay, and you could throw in Moses. What made Abraham Abraham? Genesis 17 says that God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, take him to a mountain called Mount Moriah, and offer him as a sacrifice. And you know what it says in the next verse? He got up the next morning and he obeyed. Who does that? If you just wait, if you just delay, if you just postpone, it'll fix itself. Or a better opportunity or plan will come up. Something. Or the other person will make a mistake and then it's even. Then it's even and it's like, That's oh, exactly, you know, yes. it's, back, it's back in balance. Yes, that is it. Thank you. That's not God's way. To delay doing what you know God has said is a terrible plan. Ask Noah. Ask a lot. Delaying doing what God says when you know it's God is a bad plan. Other one is that you substitute. I'll know God's telling me to do something. I don't want to do that. So what I'll do is I'll find some, I'll pray, oh, I'll read an extra chapter out of the Bible. I'll pray extra long. I'll give extra money. I'll do something. Rather than going in and saying I was a rear end, would you forgive me? I'll vacuum, I'll vacuum our whole house and your house. <laughs> Anything but doing what I know God's telling me to do. But that's not the way God works. God doesn't want us to do something else good instead of doing what he's told us to do. Luke 11, Jesus says, Woe to you, for you tithe 
even your spices in the kitchen, but you neglect God's justice and love. Keep your stinking money. You think I'm shorthanded on money? You think I've got a finance committee where we're sweating bullets up in heaven? I want you to focus on justice and love. I don't, don't, don't tithe instead of doing what I've told you to do. That dog will not hunt. That dog will not hunt. You may read that Chesterton piece. Please, dear lady. I mean Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers says this about all of this. The golden rule to follow to obtain spiritual understanding is not one of intellectual pursuit, but one of obedience. If a person wants scientific knowledge, then intellectual curiosity must be his guide. But if he desires knowledge and insight into the teaching of Jesus Christ, he can only obtain it through obedience. If spiritual things seem dark and hidden to me, then I can be sure that there is a point of disobedience somewhere in my life. Intellectual darkness is the result of ignorance, but spiritual darkness is the result of something that I do not intend to obey. Mm. No one receives a word from God without instantly being put to the test regarding it. We disobey and then we wonder why we are not growing spiritually. God speaks. I do not obey because I substitute or I delay and I instantly experience spiritual darkness. What comes to your mind when you hear that? Judas, I love you. Please don't move forward with what you're doing. Please don't do what you're planning on doing. And then the Bible says that Judas left and went out and entered into the darkness. God spoke. He wasn't trying to enlighten Judas. He wasn't trying to educate Judas. He wasn't trying to, to, to make Judas happy. He was trying, he was telling Judas what he needed to do, but he rejected it, and he entered into darkness. Okay, I have a question. Yes, dear. <laughs> so we were walking around the block, and he was telling me what he was thinking about uh, I was talking about. Yeah. I was talking about. And I just had the question, well, I think that, I always try to think about the audience, right? As a, as a writer, I always think about, you know, who's the audience. Um, people are going to want to know how to hear God speak. You know, you say, mm -hmm. well, listen to God. When God talks to you, you should listen. But it's rarely audible. Never in my life. You know, could so be, but how do we hear that? How does one hear from God? How do, how do you know it's God speaking? That's right. That's the question. Well, I think that's a, a, a very valid, reasonable question, and it's not an easy question. Spiritual leaders, serious followers of Jesus, have been wrestling with that, you know, 6,000 years. Um, I would give you a couple of thoughts. One is, would God say that? Almost always when God tells me to do something, Larry, I want you to go in and tell Sherry you were wrong and ask her for forgiveness. Who do I think saying that to me? You think the devil? <laughs> or last night's pizza? Or some, uh, you know, spirit of the universe is, is... No, no, no. Think about what you believe God is saying and just ask yourself, would God say that? Is that important to God? Is, does that statement or that command that God has given you, ask yourself, does that reflect his values, his character? Would he ever tell you to lie? Would he ever tell you to hold a grudge? Would he ever tell you not to forgive? Would he ever tell you to not help people in need? When God speaks, He speaks out of His character, out of His passions, out of His value, out of His priorities. So ask, who, would God say that and would anyone else but God say that? Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah, right? because, yeah, yeah, because so much of what God wants us to do on the outset, which he's already spoken, of, doesn't make sense. We, it, I, why build a boat? There's never been rain. I don't what, So, sure. Who else would say that? Right, right. Who else would say to forgive 70 times 7? Yeah, who, that who, is nuts. Who, who would say that other than God? That's right. Because it doesn't make, it's not, it's rarely logical. It's rarely logical, but it, 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 in my mind and journey, there is a, there's an, almost always, there's a connection between who the Bible reveals God to be and what he's asking me to do. He is a God of forgiveness. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that cares about the poor. He's a God that sacrifices. He's the, there's, Jesus is interceding. So for me to go, you know, Jesus want me to stop and pray for certain people. Who else would ask me to do that? I asked myself, did God say that? You know, so often God thought it was so important and he wrote it down. You know, and if he wrote it down, then that, that means it's really important. He wants me to do that. And, you know, for many of y'all or for many of us, the, the, the challenge is we want to find a verse. And you've heard, those of you that come to the church regularly, you, you've seen me just a hundred times. If I read a verse, uh, all your fortresses are like a fig tree with first, first ripe grapes. If it's shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. That's from Nahum. I just opened that up. Is that what the Bible says? No, that's not what the Bible says. Well, you just read that right out of Nahum. That's not what the Bible says. That's what that verse says. What's the Bible say? You got to read the whole thing. You got to read the whole thing. And the more you read the whole thing, you start saying, oh, dang, I remember he said that. Time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. Wow, that must be something important. It's the reoccurring themes that run from Genesis to Revelation. That, what's God speaking to you and me about? Probably those things. What's the Holy Spirit? Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, forgive me for being, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to be honest and real about my journey with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is a professional nagger. That's what he does. He loves me so much that he will not stop. Because I've told him, please stop. Please stop. But he won't. He won't. He will bring it up and bring it up and bring it up and bring it up. Because he loves me. And he knows whatever his, the Father has been telling me to do, that's where I'm going to experience life. And he doesn't want me to miss that life. And so he will keep reminding me. <laughs> yeah. What are God's people, what would God's people say about it? When I'm really struggling, is this God? Is this God? What is God's people? Now this is predicated on the idea that it'll be very strange for some of you and it'll be incredibly strange for some of these precious people on the in the wherever, wherever they are uh, at home um, in the camera in the camera um, but if you come to church to God's house faithfully then that's not your living room or your bedroom if you are a part of a spiritual community and you are involved faithfully, there will be people in your spiritual community who you can and should bounce up things. You should, like Samuel went to Eli. I'm hearing something. I'm not sure. Give me wisdom. Give me counsel. Give me guidance. But it's in the context of a spiritual community. It's in the context of a team. In the team, you ask one another. People that are not scared of giving you a wrong answer. People that don't need you to be happy with them. But they still love you and know you. I would just, the last thing about knowing what, when it's God, how do you recognize? 90% yep. of the time with me, 
It's not that I don't know what God's saying. I just don't want to do it. And so I will play mental gymnastics long enough to push it aside. And you might say, well, Larry, that's terrible. It, yes. 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 Um, we are a part Christ Community Church is a part of a very large organization called Protestant Churches Martin Luther is our founder and John Calvin and all those guys there was a day when God spoke to them and showed them that we could not find favor with God by obeying rituals or obeying laws. And they declared to the world that we find favor and justification and forgiveness and relationship with God by putting our faith in that God's love and the sacrifice of that God's Son. And that's how we find favor. And that's true. That's as true as anything you will ever hear me say. I found favor with God because He loves me for no reason at all, but He loves me and because of the sacrifice of His Son. But for many, 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 many people, we have gotten into a thing where we think, oh, because we are justified by faith, Therefore, obedience to the commands of God don't really matter. Or they don't matter. They're not, they're not required. They're, it, it's a good idea. You know, it's a good idea. But it's not required. We are justified by faith and not by works. Therefore, obeying the commands of God are not mandatory. I'll skip all the Old Testament ones that I have. Luke 8, Jesus says, But the good seed represents people with noble and good hearts who hear the word of God and obey it with perseverance. And it is them that experience a wonderful harvest. Matthew 7, Jesus says, Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter my kingdom. It is those who obey my Father's commands. A little further down he says, The people who listen to and obey my words are wise, like a man who builds his house on a rock. But a person who hears and ignores my commands is foolish, like one who builds his house on the sand. Paul says in Hebrews 5, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. In James, Jesus' half-brother said, Remember the gospels. I'm sorry, remember the gospel is a message to obey and not just listen to. Don't kid yourself. A person who just listens to God but doesn't obey has a life without substance or endurance. But one who regularly looks into the law of God and obeys it will be greatly blessed in all he does. Our obedience to the commands of God written and spoken, depending on how God speaks to you, uh, or impresses upon you, however. God speaks to people that He loves. It is incredibly important when I know God is speaking to me that I do what God is commanding me to do. You want to read that last thing and we'll end? Can I end with something else? Well, dead gun. I have had I an know, idea. She's running wild. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> 
It's, it, this year at school, more so than ever before, I teach juniors and seniors. Um, this has come up, and I no longer allow my students the um, language of, well, we're good people or they're bad people, good people and bad people. I don't allow that conversation in my classroom anymore, and I call it out every time. Um, and it's, an, it's a habit, and, but, but a, you know, a girl will say, well, I don't understand that because she's a good person or he's a good person or whatever. Um, for me, that doesn't have any meaning. What does that mean? A good person always, always does good? It begs the question that a bad person always, always does bad. It's not that clean. It, it's just, it cannot be that clean. It isn't that clean. Hmm. So I take the, the poem from the, the Jesuit priest, Gerard Manley Hopkins. What I do is me. You've heard me say that before. So hmm. who I am is what I do. Mm. I want to forgive, but I don't forgive. Okay. I'm a non-forgiver. <clears throat> That's it. I want to be generous. I think about being generous, but I'm not generous. Okay. You're a not generous person. That's it. Mm. I don't want to rage and be mad, but mm. I do it. Okay. You're a rager. I think we fall in this idea of obedience into this relative good and badness of folk. And that's an excuse. What I do is me. It's who I am. It's who I am. Yeah. Dang. Hmm. Like a good punch in the eye. <laughs> you can thank Gerard Manley Hopkins. I'm still going to read this little deal here. Okay. Okay. C.S. Lewis, just at the end, let me say this. C.S. Lewis says, having faith in Christ means, obviously, that you try to do everything he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take their advice. Thus, if you have really given your heart to Jesus, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. But if you're try but you are trying in a new way, a less worried way. Not doing things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get into heaven as a reward for your obedience, but inevitably wanting to act a new and different way because a faint gleam of heaven is already inside you. I love that. We are what we do. Mm. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, and we're going to do that because we are a community of people who have experienced the grace of God. Because we are a community of people that have experienced the grace of God, we do something which is we take that which symbolizes his body and blood and we eat and drink it to remember and give thanks. Now, y'all done rushed off, done that before I even, uh, Sandra, let me have one of those things. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the efficiency levels have shot way up and now I'm behind. <laughs> um, think about what we've talked about today. The obedience of Mary. I will do, be it unto me, as you have said. The obedience of Jacob, uh, of, jo of Joseph. Um, he believed he should divorce her, or at least dismiss her. But God said, marry her. 
and he obeyed. The obedience of the shepherds. Go and you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And they went. The obedience of the wise men. They obeyed. They obeyed. To obey is better than sacrifice. Ooh, I'm going to give extra this Christmas to the poor. Ooh, I'm going to re start reading my Bible. January 1. Bully for you. I hope you do. And if you don't do that, I hope you get warts. I really do. I pray in Jesus' name that you get warts if you don't do that. But the question isn't what can I add to my life so that God likes me more and gives me more credit. The question is, what is God saying to me? That only God would say, and he keeps saying it. And it's consistent with what his word says. And the people that I know love God and walk with God and know me and walk with me, they're, that, yeah, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That's what I need to focus on. That's what I need to focus on. Lord Jesus, we bless you, and we thank you very, very much. We thank you for speaking to us, that you even want to speak to us. And that what you tell us is always true, it's always good, it's always important, it's always right, and it's always that which will lead us to life and joy and love. God, we need grace. We need grace to, to hear you, to know what you're saying, and to obey. Please, God, give us that fresh grace every day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christopher, hold on one second. Let me do this, and then I'm going to let y'all just send us out. Okay? Um, if you want to contribute to this Red Tub project that the youth are doing, if you'd like to give a little money to that, you can give it to Tommy, or you can put it in the offering box, but somehow right on there, Red. Just If you just put Red on there, Red Tub or something, that money will go toward helping the youth uh, be a blessing to some some families and some teenage some kids that need uh, a blessing. Um, uh, next is it? No, it's it's two Sundays from now. Two Sundays from now. now hold on, Dash Rip Rock. You just wait a second. Um, two Sundays from now in the morning on Sunday morning we'll meet just like we always do right here, uh, but we'll have a very special Christmas service and we'll have breakfast. And so it'll start at about 10:15, same time. Uh, the kids are going to sing, and it's always great when they sing. And uh, the the fellows back here will be doing some special Christmas music. And so uh, please join us two Sundays from today, right here at 10:15. And then next Sunday night, next Sunday night, we have our annual Christmas C3 Christmas party. And Kim, you want to tell us a little bit about that, young lady? <laughs> Stand up so we can hear you, please. Okay, um, it's next um, Sunday night at 5 o'clock. I think it's the 12th. I think that's, the that's right. That's right. Okay. At our house. And please, if y'all are new or whatever, come. It's a great way to meet people. It's incredibly fun. Um, there's food, whatever. You can bring your kids. The people that used to decorate for the Enchanted Forest at Goldsmiths, they now decorate at Kim's house. So it's a very, it's a very special thing. Y'all come and just, it's a sight to behold. <laughs> No, that's we need to be um, good neighbors. And it's come and go. So if you've got other things going on, come a little while. It's 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 not a. There's no program. It's just 
It's just a fun time. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Anything else? Oh, and for the breakfast, though. Yes, ma'am. You said at 10 to 10, but like everybody might want to come just a few minutes earlier. It'll be ready at 10. Okay. How about that? Okay. You can just come and. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, I want to just real quickly before we dismiss and the guys play. Um, let me see here. Fatty, can I get you and Dale to go over and stand behind Randy? I want y'all to pray for his dad, please. And uh, Kim, would you and April do, come and stand? Brett, I couldn't. There you go. Would y'all go and stand behind or beside or whatever, however you want to do that? And I want you to pray for Brett's dad. Um, they, they both, these men, just need God's touch and God's healing. Uh, does anybody else have something that you would like for us to pray about in particular? Anybody, anything that's heavy on your heart? Somebody near and dear to you that you would like us to pray for? Chuck, you're he, one of Chuck. Well, I, actually, it's your best friend. What's his first name? David. David. Okay. Uh, well, actually, Henry, I'm going to get you and Rachel since y'all are just <laughs> providentially right behind him. Would y'all just put your arm hands on his shoulders and let's just pray for David's healing? Okay. I, I believe God hears His people, especially when we're gathered together. So, if there's something you need that you really believe that you'd like for God's people to lift to his throne. Um, I want us to... Okay. All right. Oh, yes, ma'am, sorry. Uh, my friend's mother-in-law is in the hospital. Okay. And she keeps kind of fluctuating up and down. Just What's her first name? Luann. Luann. She's the one in the hospital. Yes. Okay, okay. Okay, all right, all right, we're going to pray for them right now, okay? Y'all ready? Lord, you know these people intimately. You know the number of hairs on their head, the freckles on their face, how many times their hearts beat. You know their needs, their fears. You know them. So we don't have to remind you of their existence or their problems. We just want to declare our faith in your love and power to help these people that we care about, that need a touch from you. Would you please reveal yourself to them? Let them know without a doubt that you love them and that you're with them and at work in their lives and committed to their good. And we ask you to be their healer and their great physician and to make right what's wrong. Give their nurses kindness. Give their doctors skill and wisdom. And please impact them uh, reveal yourself to them uh, as, as their healer. Please, God. Uh, Jehovah Rapha. Be their Jehovah Rapha, please, we pray. And go with us now as we're dismissed. Uh, we love and bless you. Amen.